Happy Trucks to Clearwater Day, everyone. Welcome into the PHLY Phillies podcast. Jamie Lynch, Renee Washington, Tyler Zuli here with you on this Thursday of what does seem to be a, a long week. Um, kind of feels like a Friday today. Uh, but it is Thursday. It is six days. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, until pitchers and catchers report. And 49 days until opening. Are you double checking Yes, it? I am. <laughs> I can it's tell. six days and 49. You are correct. Uh, I know Christy in All here. All the noggin. Yesterday was asking what the uh, the numbers are. Uh, and they're very, they're right in the, there we go. Is that, I know. Now I you can't see the four. It's the four or It's the, the lighting in here. It's very bright. Uh, but six and 49. Uh, welcome in, everybody. Will, you win today. You are first <laughs> in the comments section. That means you are required legally to hit that thumbs up button. Yep. Uh, but yes, welcome in. Happy Thursday. It's Sixers trade deadline day. For those of you in South Jersey area, if you're able, head over to the chicken and egg today from two to four in Marlton. Uh, Kyle, Devon, and Derek are going to be broadcasting live for the NBA trade deadline special. So make sure you check that out because the Sixers have already made one move. Uh, yeah. Brian Windhorst yesterday project, predicted that they would make between one and three moves. Uh, there's probably a little something to happen, uh, but no better people to break down trade deadline day with you than Devon, Derek, and Kyle. Derek's already tweeting about their salary cap situation. Devon and Kyle, I would imagine, are driving to South Jersey right now, furious that a trade already happened when they weren't directly in <laughs> front of their computers. Uh, but they'll be with you live shortly talking about NBA trade deadline day. But here in Philadelphia, Phillies land. Oh, and by the way, a little love to the Eagles as well. Uh, out in Vegas today, they got Donovan McNabb and DeAndre Swift coming on the show at noontime. So those guys are killing it out there. Uh, and of course, we actually saw some other people yesterday. We saw the Flyers guys who are equally killing it. So um, <laughs> a lot of good stuff going on here mm -hmm. at PHLY, and we appreciate all of you. But Renee, most important thing, all those other things are great. The Phillies loaded up the trucks today, and they're headed to Clearwater. I always uh, cheesily love it. And I love seeing the list of things that are on the truck and, uh, you know, how many pants they packed and how many jerseys and hats and baseballs. Wow. I, I can't get enough of it. Uh, John Foley's been tweeting about it. They're leaving the ballpark, I think, now-ish and stop. Or it might be at noon. Uh, and then they're stopping at the Citizens Bank at 18th and Market. Mm -hmm. Uh, for some photo ops, and then it's off to Clearwater. It's it started. Forget the countdown. Six days, zero days. Um, it's uh, here. Yeah. It's happening. It's I'm surprised you haven't updated the uh, the calendar here. I know. I should. <laughs> I got to be better, guys. I'm sorry. I'm dropping the ball. Spring training's basically started. You know, it's it's happening. It's like you're. Oh, I love packing up the car and getting. You know, like when you go on a vacation or especially even a road trip. You're packing up the car, you're getting the suitcases in there, you're getting your snacks, you're getting your cooler, your drinks. That's what's happening right now for the Phillies. And so I, I feel it. I'm excited. Uh, I know you guys are also excited because apparently, Will, you're buying beers for everyone. That's right. Being first makes you the one that has to buy beers for everyone. So Kim, Chris, Matt, you're the real winners here. Um, but look, it is. I feel like there's this bliss right now, and I don't want to um, get too excited because to me, that's always a, a sign of scary things to come whenever, like, we get irrationally happy. Uh, but also the Phillies have made 
three moves in three days. Oh, we paired, yeah. We've We're heard stuff now. about baseball for the Olympics and Netflix and the Phillies. We've heard a lot. Like, we could spend the entire hour and 20 minutes, because our show is not an hour, talking about Dave's comments alone. So it's like this weird bliss that we have plenty to talk about. Plenty going on, and also we're getting that much closer to uh, some meaningful games, guys. Yeah, so quick rundown of what we got today. Uh, I listened to the entire Dombrowski interview and took some notes during it. We'll touch on all that because he said a lot in a little amount of time. Uh, Good job by Joe DeCamera and John Ritchie conducting the interview. Uh, We'll get to that. Fangraphs released their World Series odds. Uh, A couple little pieces of news and nuggets here uh, that we'll get to. Uh, in terms of some other stuff, Howard Eskin, uh, yeah, I know Tyler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll touch on what he thinks. Emmanuel Classe could cost the uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, mm-hmm. even though we had a um, very significant uh, Guardians beat writer on yesterday who had no idea. Uh, so there's a chance uh, the King is making it up. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Howard? Eh? Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about a lot of stuff. Uh, and we have a down on the farm, a very special one with Justin Ooh, Crawford yeah. today. Uh, Renee touched on the Netflix show. We'll touch on that. Uh, and then we'll get out of here with guess that swing. Uh, but I think the most pressing thing is to break down the Dombrowski interview. Here's my bullet points out on it. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, more or less what he said. Uh, started out talking and I'm going to hold my phone up. I'm not texting for some reason. The notepad isn't syncing with my computer. <laughs> I hate- why does it I do it sometimes? Because the, so notepad, the notes for your phone, you have to make sure you have them. There's like iCloud notes. There's notes under your email. And I've learned you have to make sure you're putting your notes in the one that's connected to your computer. But it's a weird I, I thing. I normally like, am. But right. sometimes I Every guess Every once in a while, up. I have notes that are not on the... Ugh, I feel you. I yeah. feel your pain. Yeah. So thank you. Pain. So I am... I am not uh, yeah. not not listening to you. I'm just having to look at my phone for these <laughs> notes. Uh, so Dave went on yesterday morning, 8.30 uh, with Joe uh, and John Ritchie over at WIP. It was a really nice interview. I didn't get to listen to it until the ride home yesterday. I wanted to give it a full listen uh, before we talked about it here on the for show. Sure. So my bullet points. Uh, first, Johan Rojas. Dave said, direct quote, likely the starter, not guaranteed. Has to earn it. What we've kind of known all along, Mm -hmm. uh, as long as he has a okay-ish spring, yeah, uh, where he doesn't look overmatched, where he's not getting behind counts, you know, it's it's pretty safe to assume Johan is going to be the starting center fielder on opening day. Uh, This I actually chuckled at uh, when I was listening to it because they asked about the decision to keep Reese Hoskins mm-hmm. and was oh, that they got into a lot of nitty gritty was that something they really considered and more or less I love to hear this to be honest uh and by the way I found Dombrowski very likable in the interview yeah um I actually I chortled um chortled he said the decision came down to getting Kyle Schwarber out of left field yeah. <laughs> like, he straight up wasn't like, yeah, it's something we considered, you know, having that versatility oh, with Reese gosh. as a DH and first base. He was more or less like, nope. yeah, no, the decision came down to getting Kyle yep. out of left field. Yep. Um, I mean, he went on to massage it and say Kyle's <laughs> knees are taking a beating. He got slower last year than he was the year prior. So we had data to back it up. 
But bottom line is, we're all sick of watching Kyle Schwarber play the outfield. And we and talked Dave about Dorowski that. just said it. <laughs> but we've talked about that on the show. If Reese Hoskins was to stay, he can't be DH because no. Kyle is DH. That means you have to see Kyle in left, left field. And it just caused this trickle-down effect of unnecessary moves when you can just simply move on from Reese Hoskins. So I like that Dave was – he was very blunt in a lot of his answers, wasn't sugarcoating it, wasn't giving very you, truthful. like, the yeah. fluff. He was just giving e everything – and honestly, what he was saying in a lot of his answers, it was not a surprise. No. But I like that he just went straight for went for the jugular, mm. went straight for it, and didn't hold back of like, nope, it was his knees. We also know the value of, as you talk about, like Rojas in center and Marsh in left. So it, it was bigger picture answers that were like, okay, Dave, we're with you. Here. He said something that blew my mind, and it's still true. I don't think it's going to be true in a couple weeks. But as of right now, the Phillies have spent the second most money in free agency in Major League Baseball. Which is wild. Which is crazy. Now, when <laughs> Bellinger... When going crazy. Yeah, when <laughs> Bellinger and some of these other guys, depending on what teams they go to, you know, Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery and Matt Chapman, if, if two of those guys go to one team, per se, the Phillies will likely get eclipsed there. Uh, but Dave said that on the heels of the question of what do you say to fans who have said this is a quiet offseason? Mm -hmm. uh, and he said, I agree, it's quiet. Uh, but, and I, and I understand this answer. It might not be what everybody wants to hear. But he said, we want to grow this culture where young players come up and contribute right. and feel as though they have a shot to win jobs. And he was specifically talking about Orion Kirkering and Johan Rojas. Uh, and I think it speaks to how highly they feel about these kids. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, while it's not exciting, while I would have wanted, you know, a veteran center fielder perhaps uh, to compliment Rojas, what he says is valid. Like, I think there's a lot of truth to building a culture where a kid can go steal a job and win a yeah. job in spring training. And you want and need those young kids to offset the $800 plus million contracts you Bingo. have. Bingo. Um, so, you know, not the most exciting thing to hear, but I think it was truthful, honest, and, you know, there's a, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and that's a, that's a thing. I mean, he's saying exactly what we know. You need to have a balance. You can't just go after all the big expensive signings. You can't just spend, spend, spend frivolously. And then just talking about prioritizing the young players and giving them a chance and how in terms of the culture of this team, that is a big part of who they are, that they want to make sure they've got young players contributing as well, giving them those opportunities. And so as he's talking about different names, you know, Christopher Sanchez, Orion Kirkering. Yeah, you mentioned yeah, that he's as talk, well. He's talking about Rojas. And we're big Sanchez Yoro, show. Um, you know, he's, he didn't say Yoro. I was listening for it. <laughs> Oddly, Dave, wow. that's rude. That's you know, so rude. I know. You that's listen so daily down to Sizzle's Bank It just bank means bar. we got to do more, guys. We got to do yeah, more. He didn't um, say it. But I, he continued to also reiterate, you know, if there is somebody that falls into your lap, you know, that's an opportunity you can't turn down. But as a team, they've been they've been focusing on developing their homegrown players, developing their Which young is talent necessary. and also keeping the window of contention open longer because of that. So instead of just going after, you know, all veteran established expensive pieces, having that balance, even Bryson Stott and Alec Bohm of what they add as well as those young, that next generation, I guess you can say mm -hmm. that next generation of talent. So, uh, yeah, I know it's not flashy. It's not exciting, but it's the truth. And I know in the chat, Matt, you're saying you like it. Um, yeah, Jersey Kev, what's up? Nice to have you here, Jersey Kev. I'm not as upset that they went out to get a veteran center fielder. Just sad they didn't upgrade the rotation instead of running it back. 
Well, he talked about the rotation too, Jamie. He did. He talked about running it back with the same roster. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going in the order of the interview as my notes. Yeah, I'm going to let uh, you. We'll get to that. I know how your brain um, functions. So he agreed quiet <laughs> offseason, all that. Uh, he said in terms of the starting rotation, people would be shocked to know mm-hmm. how much they had on the table for Yamamoto. Yeah. Which is good to hear. Maybe it's free PR. I believe him. Uh, because I do think, you know, I think Zalecki and Gelb might have said, you know, 300 plus million was offered. Mm-hmm. But he said it appears Yamamoto kind of grew up a Dodger fan and wanted to be a Los Angeles Dodger. And free agency is a two-way street. You can't do right. anything about that. But the fact that they they did offer that much is uh, is pretty damn cool. Yeah, I mean, he said they were very involved. Um, again, as you mentioned, that people would be shocked. And that, of course, that Yamamoto just had that preference to, to play in L.A. So to me... This could be anything. Very involved could be we called him every day. Very involved can be we were willing to give him a, you know, cheesesteaks for free for life. Private like, jet access. Very involved. Knows, yeah. and, and the shock also doesn't mean they went out and, and, and proposed, hey, we're going to give you $324 million. The shock just means they were in the conversation because they were suitors. So, again, I think this was some PR moves of like, look, as much as you guys may feel as though it's been a quiet off season, we have been where where it makes sense trying and and putting our name in the hat but i don't take shocked and very interested as the phillies were willing to spend 300 you know upwards of 325 million yeah uh and but i still like it in terms <laughs> of additions to the bullpen uh he addressed this one and basically said um there was two relievers that they thought they were potentially close with uh but one was given a chance to start mm-hmm. uh which could be jacob junis or it could be um, Hicks, Jordan Hicks, right. who ended up getting the opportunity out in San Fran. And the other one, likely Robert Stevenson reading between the lines, wanted to be closer to home on the West Coast. Um, so it does appear they tried to upgrade the bullpen. Uh, but again, two-way street. The player can do what they want. And yeah. they struck out. Yeah, essentially. Uh, look, this is they are well aware, just like we're, we're well aware, that there's a need to upgrade the bullpen and even also the pitching staff as a whole, they've been trying to, to upgrade. Um, and that's something that Dombrowski was talking about as well. Um, you know, with whether it was with Yamamoto's situation or others, just wanting to make sure that they are upgrading their staff to be able to bring in, uh, these types of players. So I, I believe it. I just, at some point you're going to fall short. If you can't convince, maybe it's location, maybe it's money, maybe it's different reasons where you can't get those types of bullpen arms, but yes. at least they try. Uh, the yes. next question regarded the starting rotation and Zach Wheeler and the yes. extension. Uh, he said he know the thing I took away from it. It was a lot of just word salad. The thing I took <laughs> away from it was Zach Wheeler absolutely loves it here. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean they sign him, but I think it, it, you have a pretty good inside track. He said, you know, we want to get it done. We'd love to get it done today. But basically, Zach's camp hasn't been ready for it yet. Mm-hmm. He talked about the idea it could hit free agency and how much tougher it becomes when that happens. But he said, if we could get it done today, we would. Um, so yeah. I don't really know what the takeaway was, but Zach does love Philly. And, you know, you see him last week in Disney World with Aaron Nola and JT Real mm-hmm. Muto and actually Zach Eflin and the, the wives and kids. You know, you feel pretty good about potentially being able to keep them. Yeah, and that's exactly it. I mean, obviously, that's a priority that's that's high on their list, that's top on their list. Matt Galb was talking about it before this interview even happened. We've talked about it. Everybody knows it. The extension is something that's needed, especially with him 
hitting free agency in 2024. So uh, just hearing the fact that that is a priority and that that's something that they're actively trying to do. As you mentioned, Wheeler loves it in Philly, according to what Dave said. And according to everything we know, we haven't had anything to make us think otherwise. And his wife's um, from and Central Jersey. Expected, so. Right. And that they are expected to sign, um, potentially get that contract extension done this spring. I think because of last year with Aaron Nola, to be honest, because it, there was the expectation that his extension was going to happen in the spring and it didn't happen until free agency. I imagine they're going to learn from that and move differently come this spring to make sure Zach Wheeler does not hit the free agency market. I mean, Aaron Nola, him being a free agent had us holding our breath a bit, but you definitely don't want Zach Wheeler out no, there. It's on gonna free be very he, he, he said it. We know it. Zach is one of the best pitchers in the game. You cannot afford to have him possibly getting those offers, especially with the way the market's moving. So, uh, Glad it's a priority. Now let's get it done. Uh, a couple last things he said. He was asked about the Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. uh, Boris comments of wanting an extension or a new deal. He said, uh, and I loved it. He's like, you know, anybody can want what they want whenever they want. <laughs> that doesn't mean it's reality and it's going to get done. He yeah. said, we're excited to have Bryce here for eight more years. And the takeaway from that was that, yeah, they're not really in a hurry to give Scott Boris what he wants just because he asked for it. Yeah, and he was saying it's a situation where we're thrilled he's on board and you can desire, like you said, anything and you, you know want. you know you're going to get 100%. I think it's also apparent knowing Bryce, when he gets his spring training yeah. under any circumstance, he's going to be ready to go. So even just making that disclaimer of, look, we know that we've got time to talk about it, but right now spring training is days away and it's not going to be something that he anticipates Bryce is going to have looming and, and causing problems as we get into the start of the season. And so, yeah, we all know that that conversation is happening and, and at some point expect some maybe circumstances to change. I don't know. My takeaway was like, they don't really care. But it was <laughs> They the gave him $330 like, million and they're like, <laughs> shut up and uh, enjoy your direct deposits. Yeah, I mean, he was talking a lot of times. He's not going to comment on any negotiations. He's not going to comment on, you know, what's happening. Uh, but it does seem like the front office is not just looking to just give in to what what Boris, more importantly than Bryce, um, in this situation, what Boris might be proposing in terms of contract changes, uh, because we know he's a Philly for eight more years. So, yeah, I, I actually it definitely seemed like they had more of a, of a spine on this than yeah. I thought and was more like, nope, like you mentioned, yeah, we're we, good. we made the deal. We're not nego- talking about negotiations at this time. When spring training comes around, he'll be ready to go. All right, final three points. Yeah, Dombrowski is very excited that the World Baseball Classic is not happening this year. Uh, (laughs) He likes the World Baseball Classic, but he thought that Trey Turner, JT Real Muto, and Kyle Schwarber didn't get enough at-bats. Ranger Suarez tweaked an arm injury in the World Baseball Classic. Mm -hmm. That put them back, and there was one or two other guys, he said, that basically the World Baseball Classic just kind of took them out of their routine, their spring training, their at-bats. So he's excited about that. Uh, the last two, he was extremely worried about Aaron Nola going to the Braves. Yeah, um, we all you were. Know, they, t- <laughs> they talked about that, and Joe asked him directly, how worried were you about the Braves? And he said, you know, when, when it becomes a free agency issue and, you know, the Braves are willing to spend and we know Aaron loves it here, but, yeah, I was worried that he was going to go to the Braves. That would have sucked. Yeah, and honestly, that's – the fact his name was even included with the Braves, we, we had heard the Cardinals, we'd heard other teams, but when the Braves get in the mix, that put the pressure on the Phillies without a doubt. Uh, and, and Dave making those comments just reiterated that. You, you, you had to get that deal done for several reasons, and one of them was to make sure that Aaron Nola was not pitching in Atlanta. Uh, and then the final thing they wrapped up on was Andrew Painter. 
and what to expect uh, in terms of him throwing again. He does not expect him to throw this year at all. I know there was talk of maybe September, October, a throwing program could start. He's tossing down at the complex now. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't even think it's long tossing. I think he's right on track, but they don't expect him to pitch uh, in any kind of situation this year uh, and come into, you know, maybe next December, January, he starts ramping up for camp, but don't expect him to see him anywhere this year uh at all so that yeah, was that was pretty much the interview encapsulized yeah and we knew uh andrew painter was not expected to be able to pitch in 2024 but it's great to hear his recovery is going well again a lot of things that dave was mentioning in that interview you just got to hear it directly from him you got a taste of kind of his his mindset his personality even with some of his answers um but also just reiterated the same things that we know it's been a quiet off season but they've been keeping things abreast as he's been talking about and they've been you know still actively making those having those conversations needed behind the scenes and active on different things um outside of what the public may know so even hearing him talking about you know, for the bullpen, um, you know, not he didn't mention any specific names, but obviously we know there are still names out there in in free agency. There are bullpen arms out there. There are starting pitchers out there. There are flashy names out there. And Dave just continued to mention, nope, we're happy with this group. We're going to return the same roster, essentially. Um, you know, it's not lack of trying, though, with some of these situations, but we're happy with what we've got. And basically... Everybody calm down because the Phillies feel good about this. And the reminder that they still have, in terms of positions, the best in the league and top in the league in a number of areas, including the, the pitching core. So I was, I was excited to hear about it because we are getting closer to spring training. We are getting closer to Clearwater. Of course, we'll be down in Clearwater. And, of course, you can also join us down in Clearwater because we're off to Clearwater for uh, a nice, fun time with Philly Sports Trip for our very first PHOI Spring training takeover. You can hang with Philly's legend, Charlie Manuel. You can join us because the entire trip has been planned out for an experience from flights to hotels to game tickets, transportation, good food, good drinks. And also St. Patrick's Day is happening because the trip is going to be happening between March 13th through the 18th that you can go down to Clearwater, celebrate St. Patrick's Day on a private yacht with catered food and drinks. You can also be on the lookout because there are more events throughout the entire year with Philly sports trips. So there will be more coming your way that you can check out. But for now, our trip, March 13th to the 18th, is happening very soon. We are just under one month away from palm trees and warm weather and the sun-kissed um, beaches. And so you can head to allphoy.com slash events to learn more and book your trip. We'll be down there, so we'll get to see you there. And we'll be able to have fun for our very first PHOI spring training takeover. I'm excited. I woke up today, and it's, it's sunny, but it's still not... Florida sunny, but we'll be there sooner than later down in Clearwater. And you guys can too. Again, all phly.com slash events and Vince and, and Philly sports trip. Uh, the crew, they're doing a really good job of putting this together, organizing it for you. They've got a lot of fun things planned. And so you definitely want to make sure to take advantage of that fun opportunity, guys. Yeah. And if you're on one of these trips and let's say you do one of the a la carte packages that Vince has and you find yourself needing tickets to, uh, you know, say a basketball event or a hockey event or something not going on that's part of the package, you can use the Game Time app to get some tickets whenever you want. And if you use code PHLY, you'll get $20 off your first purchase. I've used Game Time now a couple times to go to a couple concerts with my wife in town. Uh, it's been awesome. I'll probably use it again this Philly season. Uh, one of the things I love about it is the Game Time Guarantee. 
where if you find a cheaper uh, ticket on another app, you know, that is in the same row, well, they're, they'll make up 110% of the difference for you. Uh, they also have image of your seat views. I'm going to a game uh, in Wrigley Field this summer, hopefully the Phillies game. And my cousins and I are talking about getting tickets right now. And I was like, we'll use the game time, those old stadiums. It's good to know your seat view. So like a pillar uh, isn't blocking you or whatever. Uh, and, you know, people were so small back then. Maybe you want to find a nice uh, bigger area where you can stretch out a little bit. But game time has it all for you. Flash deals and last minute tickets. Easy to find buying tickets for every event in your area. Uh, whether it's musicals, comedies, concerts, sporting events, game time's got you covered. It is the place for last-minute tickets. So forget planning months in advance. They have deals right up to the day of the event, uh, exclusive flash deals for all your favorite events, and it's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason, because people love it. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHLY right there on your screen for $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms apply. Again, just create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, yesterday, we had on Mandy Bell, who covers the Guardians for MLB.com. Uh, it was a fun interview. She does a great job. You can check it out uh, on our YouTube channel there if you missed it yesterday. Uh, but the first question from Renee on our shared sheet was, can you please give us a manual class A? That's all. I thought it was a very simple question. It's a very fair Not question. Not complicated. Um, you, know. you know, and she basically was like, and these rumors have been going back on a manual class A for at least six months uh, back to the trade deadline last year. Mm -hmm. Now, as we've talked about a manual class A before, Correa tied the league lead last year for 12 blown saves, but he be also became the first guardian ever with back-to-back 40-plus -back save seasons. Um there's a lot to like about Emmanuel Classe, including his contract, which is basically free. Um, mm -hmm. You have options through 2028 with him. I think he's only making, I shared it in our Discord earlier, I think it's like 2.5 this year. Like it goes up to like 4.2. And then in 2027, I think there's an option for 10 million. So he's yeah. drastically underpaid. He's under contract the next three seasons, two years of club options remaining on his five year, 20 million extension. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Five years of control on, exactly. you know, one of the better relievers better. in baseball. Yes, the blown saves is a... Uh, anyway, Mandy didn't really... She seemed as confused as everyone else at the direction of the Guardians. She said they listen to offers on everyone constantly, and that includes Shane Bieber and some other young players they've had. Emmanuel Classe is one of them. She doesn't think they're in a rush to move him by any means, uh, but she says they listen to offers on anyone. So if you're going to come for him... Uh, at his age with that contract, you're going to have to pay a lot. And Howard Eskin yesterday said that uh, one of the hangups in the conversations between the Guardians and the Phillies is actually our today's down on the farm. And we're going to get into him in a little bit here uh, in depth. But Justin Crawford may be the thing uh, that's prohibiting the Phillies from pushing in on Emmanuel Classe. Uh, I, can, I can totally see it. Uh, why they'd want to protect Crawford. Uh, there's some concerns with Crawford, which we'll get to in today's Down on the Farm. I personally would do it. Um, you know, Justin Crawford, pretty exciting player, but we have to remember the, the pearl clutching with, with Philly's prospects. They're the 20th best overall farm system in baseball. It's not like we're talking about 
you know, Justin Crawford, if he's in the Orioles farm system, does he crack the top five? He, he might have a shot at that five, but mm-hmm. like, you know, we have to keep things in perspective. Should Justin Crawford get in the way of you improving your club to, you know, a damn near world series status. This is where it becomes a, a, a tricky uh, walk with prospects. Yeah. I don't think it should. Dave Dombrowski and staff are trying to view this as a 10 to 15 year window, which is smart, mm-hmm. but win now mode, I'd, I'd have a hard time letting Justin Crawford stop me from doing this trade. Yeah. I mean, as we've talked about on the show, uh, as, as you mentioned, as recently as yesterday, the proposed trade that's been circle, you know, going around and circulating is Aiden Miller, Justin Crawford, and Yoro um, that's moving much. right for that for Emmanuel Classe. And I think, listen, I think Emmanuel Classe at twenty five, knowing his his contract, knowing his talent, is someone that you actively do want to pursue. Um, I actually am more hung up on Yoro than Justin and Aiden just because I, oh, you know, Aiden's we, the one I'm protecting. And, but I, but I feel like for everybody, there's someone in this trio that they're like, Nope, he's too much. Nope. We don't want him in this deal. And I know it's hard because it, and we look at past trades that have happened and every trade that you can point to for the most part in Philly's history, there was one or two names that was like the one that people didn't want to let go. And then in the long run, it was like, Oh, you know what? That was a great trade. That was a good deal. It was worth it. So I don't know. I just feel like Emmanuel Classe, the the constant theme around why he hasn't been traded yet is the guardians know he's, he's, he's a steal. The guardians know that there's high interest there and they want to make sure as Mandy was talking about yesterday, they're getting a lot in return. I know I was reading for various outlets, teams like the Cubs have pulled themselves out of the conversation for the manual class A trade because of that feeling like, nope, the, what the, what Cleveland is asking for requires too much to give. And so we're not in on that trade. So Mandy's point is what I'm going to go off of. She's closest to, to she Cleveland. Knows the most, she's, yes. she's in the know about what's going on behind the scenes. She's the Todd Zalecki of Cleveland. Right. That's what they call right. Her. So for her to say, nope, Philly's not able to give enough. Um, makes me think the Phillies aren't able to give enough, period. But I also wouldn't but let I, Crawford get in my way. I wouldn't let, I'm greedy right now. If it's the three of them, out of the three of them, Crawford, the, and we'll talk about him on Down the Farm, the least of the, the worries of why I would make this, why I would not make this trade. But I think I'd even, as hard as it is, I'd, I'd be open to even Yoro and Aiden I'm protecting and Justin, Aiden. baby Carl Crawford, because of the fact that you do know what you're going to get with Emmanuel. But I would like to see if there's another option. So where, where my stance would be in negotiations is, and maybe this has already happened. I'm not obviously in the conversation. Try to you're throw not? somebody else out. No, I'm not. I'm, it's I, rude. I, I could be a fly in the wall. Who knows? Maybe I am there. Um, I would try something else first. And then have in your back pocket, like the ultimate, this is the final proposal that we could give. And if they don't take this deal, we're out. But I think I think Aiden, Justin, and, and Yoro would be my plan B or C. I'm out of that. And the I package. would try I would try a different package first. I'm not giving up two top five prospects. Now, also I'll keep in mind, one. keep in mind all these trade proposals that we've been hearing have been like MLB, uh, Bleacher Report, various outlets. Don't know what the Phillies would actively actually give. But if I'm if I'm involved in this conversation, which I should be, just put me in there, guys. Mm-hmm. I'll make it happen. This is my this is my ace. This is my back pocket, you know, negotiation tool. I would try to go 
someone else first, a Starlin Kaba. I don't know. I don't know. I'm throwing somebody else in there first. Those a prospect a little lower on the list. Trying that first. Maybe I don't know what else you throw in there. Some some money. I don't know. But I think I'm saving these three as my ace in the hole. Yeah. So sure. interesting. We'll see if anything happens. You That's know, all. I think Zach Wheeler <laughs> is the top priority. Um, in non-baseball news, real quick, a couple things have happened in the show. Brian Johnson is going to the Washington Commanders for a prominent offensive role. It doesn't say offensive coordinator, but it seems like that could be a possibility. So our old OC goes and joins Dan Quinn down in DC. Uh, and then real quick, so there's a teaser to the Sixers trade deadline show coming up. Uh, the New York Knicks just got better uh, as they acquire Alec Burks and Bojan Bogdanovic, hmm. uh, giving up Quentin Grimes, Malachi Flynn, Evan Fournier, Ryan Archidiakono, and two second round picks that's uh, a with trade the Pistons. So that's a pretty good trade for the Knicks. Um, they're pretty annoying, but I don't think they're going to be hoisting any titles. So we'll see what the Sixers do. Uh, and I, about the commanders. And they also goes, saved 18 million by cutting Danwell house. Yeah. And whoever so. for the, for the NFL side of things, whoever goes to the commanders, I don't care if you're Cliff, Dan, Brian, whoever, that is a, that is a sinking ship still. Um, that's going to be a long high, uh, hill to climb to be able to get them back to be a top team. So Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, so a couple things happening there. Uh, breaking on, on the uh, the Twitter.com as we're in show, just <laughs> filling you in because we love you people in the chat. And we yeah, want you we to give you all the details. Scott, yeah. Mopar, Hypothetical Man, Christopher and Chris and everyone that's here. And Jersey, uh, Eagles Jay, will be coming up at 12 and Sixers at 2. All right. So stay tuned. Uh, yesterday, Fangraphs released their playoff odds uh, and the World Series odds specifically. Anybody mm -hmm. want to take a guess on who has the best odds to win the World Series next year, according to Fangraph? I'm hoping you didn't like I already looked at photo it. memorize the, the tweet. Well, just don't look at it. It's like literally on my screen right well, now. Well, just don't look at it. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, it's... <sighs> I don't know. It's, it's um, the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, I was going to say the same team. You know, it's wow. the Colorado Fangraphs Rockies. Fangraphs got like, into the clickbait wow. business. Wow, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they said the Rockies well, are winning yeah. it all. One, one team you won't believe that's going to win the, the World Tigers. Series. <laughs> it's going to be the Tigers, guys. Um, Tony the Tiger. No, but do you have a real guess, Tyler? Because yeah, it might actually surprise you. I mean, it's, it's probably the Dodgers at one and the Braves at two and the Yankees at three. Would be my guess. Mm. You were wrong. In the chat, Barbara, Matt, and Provolone John all said the Dodgers. The obvious but answer Jim is... said the Braves. Chris said the Royals. Oh, I Ooh. don't think so, Chris. Uh, but was it Jim that said the Braves? Jim said the Braves? Yes, Jim the Braves come in number one on the Fangraphs model to win the World Series at 24.9%. The Dodgers oh, come in... One team in a 30-team league has almost a quarter of a chance to say, win the World this Series. This is actually extremely surprising because there's a huge... Like you mentioned, almost a quarter, but also there's a big gap from one and two and definitely from one to three. They really have... Wow, Chuck, 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 Chuck. They really have... <laughs> ah. Oh, but you have like... Oh, I know, but that's, that's annoying. mostly ice cubes. Do you Are you guys proud of me? Four, four for four this week. I am proud of you. And thank I'm, you. Thank and you. just saying it's 1135. We have at least about 40 minutes left in our show. You will be running out. No, of we do not have 40 minutes left we in our show. We have 23 minutes left in our show. 25 minutes in I don't know. I don't know. JB, no, you I'm will on be a running. mission today. You will be running Because I bathroom. might be able to sneak in a round of golf. All but right? I will so. say this: this uh, these odds are surprising because it's not only the Braves at number one, but seeing the Dodgers at 16.9% and then Astros at 10.8%. They really are heavily leaning on the Braves to be the favorite to win the World and Series. And Tyler, the Yankees 
Not even in the top three. Coming at number four at 7.7%. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm at, So I said Yankees at three. If you want to go Yankees, Astros, Texas, I think if they Phillies. get a Sneller or Montgomery, you could make the case they jump Houston. Who, number the Yankees? five doesn't yeah. surprise you at all. I mean, number five could be the Orioles. Mm. Um, I, I think that there's... Yeah, they're not number five. Yeah, I mean... I don't know who's number five. This, this is actually just me, really this is surprising. Just me the Mariners at four point six percent. That pitching staff's filthy. Then do you want to take a guess after them? So who? So who? Wait, hold on. Who so is, so who is Braves, Braves, Dodgers, Astros, Yankees, Mariners. Okay, number six. Um, <laughs> Matt's like Philly's got to be like four percent. Yeah, now now I'm starting to uh, question my own thoughts. I know. Um, this is you against Fangraphs, your idol. So. <laughs> Is it then? Is it then? Is it Baltimore? No. no. This was a, this was. A, I don't know. I, who I, I don't, I don't know how they Bay raise at four point three percent. I'm not sure how they put this together. Come I don't either. I don't know six. what the, what the and, and that's not me questioning them. I'm just genuinely curious model, how they yeah, put their yeah. model together. Uh, then the Orioles at number seven at three point six percent, and the Phillies come in number eight at three point two percent behind them. Number nine, the Blue Jays at 2.7%. And tied for 10, Diamondbacks and Cardinals. This list doesn't even have the Rangers on it. You have two teams tied for number 10, and you don't have the defending champs on there. You have the Orioles and the and the Phillies at 7 and 8. You have the Diamondbacks, at least, okay, at least they went to the World Series. They're at number 10. This, I don't know what, what your buddies over at Fangraphs did to come up with this, but this is giving click so, bait. Texas, no. Texas, Texas <laughs> is pretty. It's pretty obvious I, I mean, as to why I Texas guess. is so far back. Their starting pitching's a question mark. Question well, mark. yeah, Jordan Montgomery is a huge hole. right. You don't bring Montgomery back. You have Evaldi, but after that, you're looking at a rotation of guys like Dane Dunning and Andrew Heaney and uh, John Gray. Probably cracks the rotation again. The Rangers' rotation currently is okay, but I'm not so sure that it's championship worthy right now yeah. but if you have a top you have 11 teams listed here you mean to tell me you don't think the rangers belong in at least the bottom of that list sure i think that the they raise the, the mariners i think the they're Jays, i think their offense the is top three in the league right and i think even the orioles okay taking my bias hat off about the phillies at least the orioles should be higher in my opinion well i think the phillies number Corbin. is affected by the braves and dodgers which makes sense. Which is probably why the Orioles number is affected by the Yankees. Yes. And the, yes, absolutely. Mm. And the Astros. Yeah. But like, so I think it's all relative when the Braves take up nearly a quarter of their, you know, pie chart here, the Dodgers and Phillies lose points just based on that alone. Uh, but as we all know, the Atlanta Braves suffered from Philadelphia Phillies-itis uh, every October and they clam up and poo themselves <laughs> well, on the so, chat. I don't know if that's in the model, <laughs> the diaper model for Fangraphs. in there. the chat. We've got a lot of interesting thoughts. Mopar saying the guy that did this simulation is drinking way too much white claw. Matt mm. saying the list is well, Mopar, me. there's no laws when you claw, right? Saying the Rangers have a deep lineup. Um, the pitching yeah, is suspect, but that order is ridiculous. That's yeah, what I'm saying I mean, about the Rangers. Grom, like and the, they're daytime-driving the at Fangraphs, according to Chris. To the Rangers. Well, and that's what I was saying. is, like, go, is Going he? into the year, that's what you're looking at. I thought he was break, right? back by the end of this season. I think he's back by the All-Star break, roughly. I, I could be wrong. I thought we'll, I had read. Yeah. So anyway, just an interesting thing that Fangraphs does and... And Jersey Kev say it's why the Phillies over under is 85. 
Is 85 and a half. 85 and mm-hmm. a half. That's yeah, look, high. it's going to be tough, but, you know, we they can do it. Um, if the Braves are the – I'm just shocked that the Dodgers weren't a little bit higher than the Braves. Uh, so it yeah. looks like uh, target time to return to the mound in a real game, uh, DeGrom at least said, is about late August. Oh, so pretty late into the so, season. Oh. Because initially the Rangers had hoped for like a stretch run playoff type appearance, yeah. and, and apparently he's a little bit ahead of schedule. Um, and I think that he he believes he'll be throwing off of a mound by spring training. Okay. Which could be in a few weeks, and it looks like that if everything goes according to plan, you may see him by the end of August. Interesting. Hmm. And if they're, yeah, recovery. if they're, uh, you know, leading the division and making a World Series run, he'll probably return. If they're out of it, he'll probably just shut it down for the next year. Yeah. Um. So before we get to down on the farm, two last things. Five years ago, yesterday, the Phillies made a trade. They did something unspeakable. They traded a prospect. <gasps> That was untouchable <gasps> at the time in Sixto Sanchez <gasps> for J. He's the future. T. Real Muto. Uh, so that was the five-year anniversary yesterday. The Phillies traded Sixto Sanchez, Jorge Alfaro, and Will Stewart and international bonus pool money to the Marlins yesterday, dun, five years dun, ago. We dun. missed it yesterday. Uh, but wanted to touch on that today because you can't trade Sixto. You just can't do it. Oh, wow, how and dare Sixto you? And Sixto is probably on his last chance at ever being a pitcher this year. You know, you feel bad when somebody can't stay healthy like that. But again, this is why proven commodity versus prospects is, I find it to be a very fascinating and interesting debate. Uh, but I can't believe they traded Sixto. I would say the Phillies won this trade, Renee. Yeah, because as you... As you just mentioned, it's not just about with where the well words will their talent pan out. It's about they have to have talent to be able to to sustain a solid career, but then they also have to stay healthy to sustain that talent to sustain that health, that solid career. So there's so many question marks, and that's why I like to live in the knowing because you can even know that someone's good enough, and then they go and get injured and need surgery and they're out for a year. You never know. There is no guarantee. So I fully believe Hypothet- that. <laughs> Hypothetical man's making me laugh. He said, you guys are way too harsh on these but prospects. I'm not reality. being harsh on the prospects. I'm being harsh <laughs> on the idea of never being able to trade them. Right. God forbid. There's so many things. Most of these prospects that we've talked about have at some point had a, a major injury, a surgery, or it could happen in the future that they do. So injuries, their talent, their potential. There's so many unknowns and so many factors you just have no idea about. So that's why it's like, yeah, you never know. You just, like Matt Deckard's bringing up Joel Embiid. You can have the best player in the world, and he gets injured every season, and now back-to-back years where he was out last year in the playoffs, most likely going to be out this year in the playoffs. Does it matter if he actually panned out to be as talented as people expected if he cannot play an entire season and stay healthy come playoff time? Yeah, so, so wild. Uh, I saw some debates going on yesterday on Twitter. Is JT Real Muto the greatest Phillies catcher ever? Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and say yes. And I think he's only going to add to that over time. Mm-hmm. You know, look, did I get to watch Bob Boone play? No, I didn't. But I'll take JT Real Muto and what he does over him. Better than Chooch, better than Lieberthal. Um, Dutch, yeah, he's probably better than Dutch. Um, so, you know, you got one of the best position players in franchise history for giving up some prospects. Alfaro turned into, you know, a major league player, but you know, 
the Phillies smoked that trade. Yeah, and a couple of things um, just before you move on to your next point, Jamie. There were some questions in the chat. Clayton Kershaw is expected to recover from the surgery he had in November. Half. This summer is the is the timeline. I know Barbara was asking about Kershaw's return, so he is expected to return. He, of course, is staying with the Dodgers, and we'll be back this summer. And I know MBDBDBF, you're asking about 11 a.m. as our new time. Yes, our time is 11 a.m. moving forward for a couple of reasons. One is also because of the Phillies game schedule. Oh, they do have a number of games that are around that 1.30 start time. I know I was just looking at the schedule yesterday, a lot of 1.30, 1.40 starts. And we want to make sure that we have time to get our show to you guys in a timely manner, get watching the game, um, and then also just, just factoring in what times will work best for everybody, for you guys included, that you can still join us for like a nice 11 a.m. pre-lunch schedule. Uh, and Tyler writes up the note, Max Scherzer, when we were talking about DeGrom as well, uh, with the rate Scherzer is set to return early July, late June ish. Mm -hmm. So, um, my, so my thought with with them is obviously we we know how potent the lineup can be, and I think they're just going to get better with a full season for Evan Carter, with a full season for Wyatt Langford. Like they have a lot of young guys who I think could be significant contributors to that lineup. My question is, are they banking on the rotation just staying afloat until these two guys return? Probably. When Scherzer comes back in late June, maybe right, right after the All-Star break type thing, DeGrom comes back in maybe August. But my question is, you've got two guys who are older, who are coming off of injury, that you're not going to see until about All-Star break and mm -hmm. late August. Are you comfortable with how good your lineup is, right. plus the rotation of a bunch of guys, you know, your headline by Evaldi, and then you've got a bunch of guys who can just eat innings, are you comfortable enough staying afloat with that offense to compete with Houston for the division to stay in the wild card mix enough to then go, all right, guys, here's the keys to the kingdom. Just mm. we need you to start being studs again. I know you're right. 30. I know you're 38 and 34, whatever DeGrom is. But here you go. Yeah. Good luck. DeGrom's 34, but in baseball years, he's 55. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the Texas Rangers do this year. But, yeah, I, I would think they're counting on the two of them. Um, all right, let's go down on. You forgot th the most important news, Jamie. What's that? The third roster move in three days. The Phillies have been uh, wheeling and dealing, and they brought in. You talk about a stud and another yeah. pitching arm and a, a, another arm, Castillo. Max Castillo. Not to be confused with Diego James Castillo. How did you miss that news? Yeah. This was the breaking news. I was I thought we were going to open the show with this, and we could have done another emergency pod over the signing of Max, the deal for Max Castillo. Yeah. Okay. Max Castillo. Okay. Well, what is, I, he's uh, let's see, twenty-one <laughs> appearances in the majors, six starts uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays in Kansas City, went zero and three with a five point four three ERA, thirty-six earned <laughs> runs in fifty-nine innings pitched. 47 strikeouts, 27 walks. Uh, they DFA'd Simon Muziati, uh, who I believe was, was he untouchable in a deal like two years ago? <laughs> this shows you how bad the Phillies farm system is, folks. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Um, Simone, mean, Jamie. Listen. Simone. Huh? Simone. Not Simon. Simone. Yeah. Simone. Is that accent? Is he French-Canadian? Simone. Simone. Um, okay, yeah, but listen, as you talked about, at 24 years old, you got him off of waivers from cool. the Red Sox. Uh, he spent 
seasons in the last season with the Royals. Um, his numbers are. <laughs> We've given him too much airtime already. <laughs> All right, let's go down but on the farm. This, he stinks. <laughs> these moves are irrelevant. With this, they add pitching depth and roster flexibility. Quote unquote. I'm giving air quotes for those that are listening on podcast platforms because he had that one four three whip and a four four three ERA in seven games out of the bullpen for the Royals last year. He's a year. spring training body <laughs> to throw baseballs. He had a six. He had a six and seven record in twenty two games in AAA last season. He'll be in Lehigh starts, in no four, five, time. ERA. He has a ninety three mile per hour fastball, an eighty four mile per hour slider. Nobody cares. He stinks. These moves. And they do bore think me. he's just going to add, but again, it's just roster flexibility and pitching depth. There uh, you go, guys. There's I, your I, bullpen I, I arm. Wa- I want you guys to know that when we are down there at spring training, he is definitively starting one of the games we're going to. Oh, absolutely. Promise you that. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, going man. to happen. Yeah, yeah, look, he's another one of these McKinley Moores, Mikey, Michael Mercados. Maybe they're bullpen. Maybe they can become a sixth man. Like, who the hell cares? Uh, let's get down wow. to the farm because I do care about this guy. Justin Crawford is today's down on the farm report. Final two. Crawford uh, comes in number two for us. Uh, you know, depending on who you're reading, he's either two, three. Um, I've seen some people toy with the idea of flipping Miller and Crawford. He could be as low as Ford. Depends how you rate Abel and all this. Name alone, Crawford might be the most baseball name ever. Like when you're searching Baseball America for just Crawford, there's like 35 to 40 guys that come up. So the last name alone says this kid's a ball player. Yeah, that's a good point. I would love to. I'm sure there's a stat somewhere about the the most Most common last name in baseball. Um, Crawford's got to be up there. Hit it. Now batting for the Phillies. Center fielder, Justin Crawford. Ah, there it is. Um, so, Justin Carl Crawford, yes, baby. His father, obviously, was a hell of a player. Uh, is Carl Crawford. We remember him from the 2008 World Series. He was with the Upton brothers and all of them down in Tampa. His cousin is J.P. Crawford, who has mm-hmm. turned into a pretty damn nice player. Phillies minor leaguer at one point. He was drafted mm-hmm. in the first round, 17th overall in 2022, out of Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas, which has turned into a little bit of a baseball it has. mini factory. Uh, I think Joey Gorman. Gallo is the most famous one from there currently playing. There's another prospect. I think they have four or five guys in the majors like- from uh, Bishop Gorman. Yeah. Um, so he originally committed to LSU, another baseball factory. Um Sorry, my phone just started bugging out. Oh, I missed the FaceTime call from my mother-in-law. That's good. Um, <laughs> so he signed for $3.75 million out of high school to decommit from LSU. Uh, he's a center fielder, most likely because of his offensive game. If he goes to the corner, uh, his arm, which we'll get into, they said it's, it's okay for left, not great for right. He's pretty much pigeonholed because of his skill set into that center field position. Uh, bats left, throws right, six foot one, 175 pounds. Um, they want him to get bigger in his lower half. Um, you know, they don't <laughs> think the body, cause his, Carl was a little bit of a meat. Like he had some, some meat on those bones. Oh, like, it's they, just funny how you describe people's bodies. Yeah. So they don't <laughs> think that Justin can necessarily get to that level, but they do think there's room for muscular addition to the body that they'd prefer it to be in his lower half. Um, so obviously the son of a 15 year big leaguer, uh, he was selected out of high school. As we said, he's still only 
Oh, I didn't write this down. I think he's 20 now. He's 20. He just yeah. turned 20, actually, just turned in January. Just turned 20, yes. Um, so here's the note from Tyler's graphic. He looks like his dad, that's for sure. Six, <laughs> Can't uh, deny he, those jeans. He's up to 6'4 now. Okay, I read something that said 6'3", 6'4", mm-hmm. uh, but when he was drafted, he was 6'1". Okay, so excuse me, error in my notes there. Uh, 2023, he split time between low A and high A. There's his slash line, 332, 392, 467, only 33 extra base hits uh, for a kid with this amount of speed. I don't want to say it's alarming because it's decent, but we'll get into the negatives on him in a minute. Uh, he has a very low whiff rate in zone, uh, elite speed. Um, what does that last one say? High. Oh, ground ball percentage. Yes. And that is the negative. Uh, but. Renee, you know how I feel about bloodlines. Oh, yeah. There's a great bloodline this kid's coming from. He's big enough. He's fast enough. He's athletic as hell. Um, They think his outfield ball tracking needs to improve Mm -hmm. uh, to become more sharpened there to truly become an elite center fielder. They say he covers up for a lot defensively with his just pure athleticism, uh, but they think technically he needs to become more sound in the outfield. Yeah, so there's a lot of cool stuff that I read on him. Um, of course, being that he's the son of Carl, his mom, Amy, um, there was say, like a Amy? piece on on just how she was such a pivotal role in helping him to get over just the the pressure. So obviously he grew up with his dad um, and, and being at an age where he was able to be in the ballpark and experience it and experience his dad as a ma- you know a professional athlete. And for any son of or child of a professional athlete, there is that expectation you're going to be the same as them and better. And so I know he's talked about, about how it gave him a lot of anxiety and he got nervous before games. Um, if he didn't get a hit, he would spiral. And that Amy was very pivotal in helping him just to be in the moment, telling him, like, close his eyes, do you, and understanding you're more than Carl Crawford's son. You're Justin Crawford. And so Justin Crawford is emerging into his own. He definitely has a lot of positives. There are definitely some negatives. I know in the chat. There are uh, comments about the negatives as well, um, but the fact that he is going to be, as Mickey's saying, a stud. So yeah. the reports that have come out on him that people that. have, he has potential he just has like potential they all do. To be a stud. So when he was drafted, he was one of the best runners in the draft class, regularly turns in a 70 grade runtime, according to Baseball America. Um, power is, as you talked about, the last part of his game that needs to develop, the lower half mm. that you have everybody in the chat going crazy on. He's, bigger he needs lower to be half. a little thick. He needs um, to get but you know, built like a milkshake. Even if he's never a big power hitter, he should be able to find plenty of extra base hits by just driving balls in the gaps and using his speed on the bases. The, the speed is a big part of it. Mm. Um, and some of the reports have said that they wouldn't describe him as raw as we like to sometimes say these young players are um the his bat is advanced he hits against high level competition at a well percentage for the most part um but the big thing is the power that's developing uh so for justin i i think there's there's upside he is very advanced defensively and that his athleticism and speed has turned a lot of heads that's what the Phillies scouting director brian barber was talking a lot about in his um process through the draft and that uh, he's more advanced defensively, I should say, at this stage than his father was and really has a lot of differences in his game from his dad because naturally people want to compare Justin to Carl and there are a lot of differences in their game. But Barber was saying at the time he was drafted that no doubt center field in, in his future and that he can be an elite center field, defensive center fielder in the future. So, um, I mean, I think on the defensive side, that's something that um, – Makes sense. It's just the the hitting as a left-handed hitter, the amount of ground balls and 
just the, the struggles there have been very, very eye-opening. Um, so 480 he's... stolen bases. Uh, his dad had over 15 big league seasons. His son has that same speed, yes, but he's missing some key pieces that are helping him to be that full stud that uh, many may think he can be. So he's kind of a polarizing prospect. Uh, in that he ranges as high on Keith Law's list as 43rd. MLB Pipeline has him down at 73rd. And ESPN's top 100 doesn't even have him in the top 100. Because there are some negatives here. I know Mickey in the chat is saying he's a lock to be a stud. Maybe he didn't say lock, but he said this kid's going to be a stud. I, I think there's some concerning things. And this year, he's probably going to start in high A possibility of low a could make his way up the ranks through the summer. If he performs well, the negatives are pretty glaring. Um, he had a very high OPS last year an 860 OPS, but 70% of his hit balls were on the ground. Now <laughs> he has a negative nine launch angle on his swing, which <laughs> No, no. That's 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 a lot to correct because I think his OPS is kind of uh, disguising what he is because I think his raw speed and athleticism is allowing him to get on base more frequently um, than his hits should say are allowed. Uh, a negative nine... <laughs> is really, <laughs> really bad. Uh, he was the most extremely ground ball oriented player in the minor league system in 2023. Now he hits the ball hard. His exit velocities uh, are good. He, his average exit velocity was in the 90th plus percentile mm -hmm. at 103 miles an hour off the bat. The problem is with a negative nine launch angle, these balls are going right into the ground. He's not getting anything in the air. Um, so if you're going to be an everyday center fielder, you know, the defense has to improve a little bit this year from a technical standpoint. That's fine. I believe in him doing that to be a center fielder. You're going to have to have get to utilize the speed. And it's the same thing with Rojas this year yeah. to utilize that speed. You're going to have to put balls in the gap and you're going to have to get the ball up over the infield and into those gaps or down the line. And right now at 70% of his balls are going into the ground. That's pretty troubling. Yeah. And we'll see if he can, you know, I just picture somebody like chopping down on the ball now with a negative nine. <laughs> I'm like, uh, how do you Tyler, do that? you're a bigger baseball nerd than me. I don't recall many guys with a negative nine launch angle. So there uh. for a long time throughout the course of baseball's history, there was a time and a time and place for guys that hit like this because there was that old Richie Ashburn saying, sure. hit, hit them where they ain't. You know, you make a career out of it. You have <laughs> slap hitters. You have guys that didn't hit the ball overly hard but got on base. Ozzie Smith was one of them. Larry Bow was one sure. of them. The, you know, guys that choke Ozzie up. Ozzie Smith, I think, career 260. I was looking this up last yeah. night. Career 262 hitter. Uh, career on base of 338 so like yeah. you you had there was a time and a place for for i don't want to call them slap hitters because that's not sure fair Ichiro, but like uh, being the crown jewel th of there that. is just there is a, an effect of if i put the ball through the 5.5 hole to base it right if i hit if i go opposite field as a lefty and it's between the shortstop and the third baseman it's a base hit every time um in today's game i, I it becomes less and less apparent or more and more apparent. I should say less and less prevalent that you have guys 
that are singles hitters that are guys that can get on base at a, at a high clip. And, you know, it, it I almost hearken back to the, uh, the, the, the scene in major league where it's like, if you put the ball in the air, you give me 20 pushups, you know, like yeah. put the ball yeah. on the ground and run it out. It just, it, like, it, it just doesn't really happen anymore. It's not to say that it's a bad thing, but it but is it's stacked against them. It's it, yeah. in, in today's era of baseball. It is a troubling number yeah very much so. fair or unfair percent. to the type of player that he is 70 percent is hard to believe i just don't even understand how that's so possible. like everybody wants then this is part of the reason why like aiden miller to me is in my dumb brain a more exciting prospect now than justin crawford look he's he's just turned 20 he's got time to correct this and because of the raw ability and athleticism and you know the good whiff rate in zone and his ability to put ball bat on ball and 103 mile there's more positives than there are negatives but those negatives are like glaring to me yeah uh 70% on the ground i don't know how you improve that like to be an everyday center fielder he's going to have to get that down like 45 50% mhm and that's a huge jump to me that screams uh, swing adjustments and you know maybe the Phillies can help develop them and I eat these words in a couple of years but uh, I guess I'm getting to the I, I don't know if I make him my one protected offensive piece that yeah. I guard that I put in a bubble and say no you can't have him so like yeah. uh, what's what's a number to you at the, that ground ball rate that's like 68 70 for him what's a number to you that gets acceptable to become 45 50 uh, so my question is like if now add in the speed because Crawford was faster than the guy that I'm about to mention. Although this guy had stole a little bit of bags in the beginning of his career. If Crawford produced a David Eckstein type offensive career, is that acceptable? Like he's at 50%, 44, 47, 44, 47. Like that was what Eckstein was, was more of a, you know, put it in play ground ball type of hitter. He choked up so and much on the back. He's a career 280 hitter over the course of 10 years. Like to me that that's if you get a David Eckstein type of mold hitter out of Justin Crawford, I think that's, that's a win. A win. Yeah. I don't think the power's coming, and you know it's just can he get the ball up? I, I it's going to be a hard thing for him to do. <laughs> Hypothetical man in the chat says there wasn't a qualified major league hitter yeah. with a negative launch angle. Yeah, like that's negative nine. That's bad. I I know a number of uh, reports have indicated that about one in five MLB executives are, you know, he's caught the eye of one in five MLB executives because of his speed. And that's something that has a lot of people interested. And also uh, the projection that he would not be able to play in the majors and be MLB ready in that sense until 2026. It's just a lot of similarities to even as we talk about the struggles that like Yoro's dealing with. Okay, you can be an exceptional center fielder, but you're not ready to be an everyday center fielder with a negative nine uh, and the numbers, the ground ball percentage being so high, but if at 20 years old, he just turned 20, they're able to fix it in the next few years. Yeah, we'll sure. See. But uh, it's, it's, it's wild that he's a top, he's a top prospect for the Phillies with those staggering numbers that are extremely negative. I mean, these are majors. We talk about the fix from, you know, the ground ball percentage to be at least a 45, 50% is that's, that's a jump. That's a jump. So yeah. there's a lot of, potential as we always say with these prospects he's advanced in some areas of his game the speed is definitely tremendous but him as a his at-bats in general just got to be much so better. his final scout grades and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up here uh the scout grades give him a 50 on the hit scale a 40 on the power scale a 70 on run 
fielding is 55 arm is 50 so you know look i don't i don't want to sound too negative on the kid he is a very exciting prospect 20 years old but he's got to fix that launch angle and ground ball rate if he's going to make it as an everyday center fielder all right renee um we'll save some some more for tomorrow because we're not getting in the habit of doing an hour and a half every day let's get to guess that swing today Mm. we both got it yesterday we should be feeling good I, I right. feel good. I, this is, I feel great. Tyler, how mm-hmm. is the oh. difficulty on the scale? So what did I say yesterday's was? Well, three. three, I think you said. Please be close to uh, three. I would say this is probably a four. Ooh, all right. Mm. I don't think that this is an overly challenging one. And yesterday's, if you missed it, was Bryson Stott. He looked a lot like Bryce Harper's swing. Yeah. Um, That's why he's Bryce. Sun. Yeah. Also, by the way, I I, I have found it noticeable. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna call oh, no. our I'm gonna call our chat out for a little bit. Everybody oh, struggled. By the way, Derek you, and Kyle tried to get involved in Bryson Stott swing, and they both at first thought right-handed batters. So like this is this is an optical sides. illusion that is breaking Wait, people's brains. I want it's you to not, that's not just what us. I was gonna say, but all right. No, it depends on. Okay, when I look at the picture, I can see like Bryson was a great example because I looked at it for so long, even after the show. And it depends on if their shoulders are facing you or if you're looking at their back. And because it's a silhouette, you can't tell. So I don't know if you have Bryson's again, but when you look at it closely, I, I saw left and right. I can I can try to find stats real quickly. But like what, I, what I was what I was go gonna say, say your point. What I was gonna say was if you're in the live show and you are watching us do this. It is extremely unfair for you to then go to Twitter and be like, oh, oh it's Bryson Stott. I got it right again. Yay, I'm, I win. Super unfair. Listen, we're all winners. So if that's what helps you be able to, you know, right, feel here, good about yourself and sleep better at night. And by the it. way, uh, MBD, it cannot be Dave Hollins. It's only 2006 to present day. Here's, yeah, look, we're not going too, here, too old. Here. Here's your Bryson Stott from look yesterday. So again, here's my point. Bryson in the actual picture is facing us. But he looks like like I see it as his back is to us. But he if he was a right-handed finished. hitter here, his feet would be backwards. But his feet, but we don't know what's his left or his right foot because I could see it as both. Like his right foot's in the front, but on the silhouette, it could be his left foot in the front. You feel me? Now, obviously, his his foot. I thought this was one of the clearer ones. Okay, his foot specifically is turned in, so it clearly is a right foot. But most of the time, it's not. The foot is just planted. So I struggle because I feel like I can see his back to us just as much as I see his, that he's facing us, like his shoulders are opening up to us. So all that to say, this is why I don't like this game. Okay. I love this game. All right, so that was yesterday's. <laughs> that, that was just a, a, all right, a that was Not a Renee three. type cheating. Oh, Renee type cheating. <laughs> all right, Dave, Yodel, Yodelin, Martian, Hypothetical Man, Mopar, Matt. All right, let's do this. All right, it's guys, time. Here's, MBDBDS, let's do it. Here is today's, uh, today's silhouette. Oh, boy. It's a four. Ooh. This, I think you should Again, definitively be able to right get. I got it, it looks like his right foot's turned in. It's a right-handed better. I'm in, Tyler. Immediate. That was quick. What? Can I see your answer? Nope. What's right, going Jay- on around his neck? Jamie's that, locked in. Is that hair? Is that... It's a goiter. A beard? It's a goiter? Jeez <sighs> Louise. It's a goiter. 
All right, Jamie's answer is locked in. Oh my gosh, in. I don't like that you answered so quickly, Jamie. It almost makes it worse. I'd rather you need some time to think. You were all over it quickly yesterday or the day before. But I wasn't really that positive. I just kind of threw something out there. Uh, and it's my positivity stick. scale on this <laughs> now you're is... doing girl math. <laughs> uh, I feel fairly confident in my We already answer. did Alec Bowman and Nick Cassianos, by the way. I feel very fairly confident. Not Wait. not 100%, but I'd give myself an 80% confidence. Do you meter. feel like this is a, a right-handed or what yeah, you say it is? Yeah, I think it's Oh, actually now I see left-hand. But uh, but I this is one's the bat, a little tricky. Is the bat coming towards us or going away from us? I guess it's going away from us. Wait, I feel pretty confident. I'm right. confusing myself now. Because his right Guys, hand I, I, his right I, hand is on the top I, of the I bat. will also tell you this. If this were a left-handed hitter, he would be facing the dirt in front of him to the right. It, I always try to look at the hands on the bat. I try to look at the hands, but like I feel like I can see look the right at, hand. Look at where his head is. And if a professional ah, hitter hit like that from the left side, he wouldn't be a professional hitter for Could long. Be he'd be, he'd be I don't know. He's definitively a right-handed hitter. Uh, we already did victory now. I love the optical. Like, Derek was so, his brain was broken last night looking at the Bryson stop. You thing. can literally see it both sides. That's how exciting the Sixers game was last night, that Derek Bodner was playing guess that swing in the third quarter with me as, <laughs> as we were both watch suffering together. All right, Renee's answer is in. Have the Sixers done anything yet? Jamie's Don't answer forget two is in. Coming up, uh, the Sixers show and, over and, at Chicken and Egg in Marlton for the trade deadline special. And, and guys, you guys for the second consecutive day I have the like same that. answer. <laughs> for the second consecutive day, you guys have come up with the same answer. Both Jamie and Renee gave us Johan Rojas. A lot of people in the chat his his also name? said Johan Rojas. And uh, guess what, y'all? You're all wrong. No! What? No! The one time I don't say Trey, and I literally say Trey almost every right-handed batter. What is the bat doing here? Like, why? I I feel like my eyes, even looking at the picture. The slenderness what? is what made me think Rojas. I always say Trey. This is not fair. I hate it here. I literally say Trey, like, once a week. Trey is my great American ballpark. That if it's right-handed, I go for Trey. Are you kidding me? I don't like this game. Just when I was starting to like it a little bit. I thought I was fairly confident. Wow. Wow. Did anybody say Trey? No. Nope. Dang it. Uh, there was a bunch of Rojas's in there. Man, though. and you know what? Once some of y'all started saying Rojas, everybody started saying Rojas. Man, are you kidding me? All Jamie, right. wrap this well, thing up. I'm angry. Uh, that, Jeez, that, lose, heartbroken. that loser performance by Renee and I will wrap us up Ooh, for today. Uh, don't forget the Eagles are live now from Vegas. They got Donovan McNabb on, DeAndre Swift on. Uh, and Chicken and Egg, Marlton, New Jersey. The Sixers show between 2 and 4 today. Chicken and Egg is really nice, Trade deadline special. You get an hour before the deadline with the guys, an hour after the deadline to react to all that has happened. We'll see if the Sixers do anything more significant than Buddy Heald, uh, Danwell House, maybe Rocco. They're probably just trying to trim the fat off this roster. Uh, as we are three hour, well, two hours and 50 minutes away from the NBA trade deadline. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Before you leave, please smash that thumbs up button because we love you. We appreciate you. And we will be back tomorrow for Friday's episode of the PHLY Phillies podcast. Have a great rest of the Thursday, everyone. Bye, guys. See you. We all silly like the mayor. 